Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Alright everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Very excited. Episode 202, Colleen Callender, the former Sports Girl CEO. How are you today? I'm fantastic, thank you. How are you? Now, great. Now, I must admit, I was, I'm was i very fortunate for you. Growing up in Shepparton, every Saturday morning before I played cricket or football, I felt like as a family with my two sisters and my mum, I would go to Sports Girl and always had a couple of comfortable seats. So you always had in mind the males that had to go into these shops. Um, so thank you in advance for that. <laughs> Everyone was welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, obviously, former Sports Girl CEO, let's sort of paint the picture for our listeners, Colleen. Do you want to give a little bit of a background? Because I I really love yours that, you know, you didn't go to university and you started working at 16. Do you want to explain that a little bit for everyone? Because I think it's a great story. Yeah, sure. So, well, um, it uh, it was the end of 87 school year and I just finished year 11 and Um, As you can imagine, at the end of a school year, everyone's completely excited about the summer break that's ahead. And I was completely excited, but it had nothing to do with the summer break. It was about the fact that I'd got a job. And um, although I'd worked in mum and dad's businesses and I worked a little ice cream shop and um, this was to me a real job. It was in the fashion industry. So, um, and my brother actually put me up to it. And I've said, I'm not sure why he didn't take the job because he had this (laughs) fabulous summer break at the beach and I worked the entire time, but that was okay. But I loved it. So from the minute I walked in that door, I just absolutely loved everything about it. I loved customers. I loved the product. I loved um, I loved connecting. I loved learning. And so I literally worked every single shift that I could possibly work through that time. And at the end of it, I, uh, uh, the area manager came to me and said, Cole, you've just done a fabulous job. And we'd really love you to stay on with, with the team. And, you know, we think you've got some potential. So as a 16-year-old, that's a pretty exciting thing to be told, right? Someone to tell you, you've got some potential. So I'm like, great. So off I went, went home. I was so excited and I went to open the front door and then my heart sank because I knew what was on the other side of that door, which were going to be two parents that were going to be quite challenged by what I was about to tell them, right? So, um, because I knew they, they had these big ambitions for me. You know, I was a good student, I worked hard and again, I had potential. So, um, I walked in and, and said, I'm leaving school, um, I'm not finishing and I'm going to work um, as a sales assistant, um, but I've got potential. And, uh, and I could see the look on both of my parents' faces. And, uh, and, you know, my dad was sort of first to talk and he's like, really, do you want to do that? You know, you, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you could be anything you wanted to be. And I'm sure these were things he wanted me to be. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he said, why, why would you do that? Why don't you finish school and get a real job? And uh, so anyway, through all of that conversation, I started and, you know, one of the things my parents said to me then and it stuck with me for my entire life is be passionate, work hard and love what you do. And that has been the way I've approached every single part of my life. Um, And so off I went um, and, you know, started with Just Jeans. I spent nine years there and worked through the ranks. Um, I was the youngest area manager um, at 20. I was running the state at 24. Um, And then I got a call from Sports Girl and... As you said at the start, everyone has a connection to sports girl, right? You you don't have to be female, male, it can be anything. Everyone has had a connection, whether it's your daughter, your mother. 
And so when I got the call from Sports Girl to, to come and join this incredible iconic brand, it was really hard to say no. So I joined them in 1999. Um, it was 20 year, my 20 year anniversary in November. Um, and 13 of those I spent as CEO across both Suzanne and Sports Girl and have had the most wonderful, wonderful career. It's been incredible. I, I love that. And I think that's fantastic. I want to go back a little bit because we've got a lot of teachers and professionals that listen to this. And I know people think the university is the only way. And I, I went to university. I'm very grateful for that. But um, how was that conversation? Because it shouldn't be a hard one because at the end of the day, what's a real job? And do you think that, do you think your parents realized what they were saying when they said that to you? And now you've got three kids. What would happen? Like, how would you handle that situation differently, I suppose? Yeah, it's interesting. I think at that time, you know, when we're going back, for, for them, my parents had worked so hard to put us through school. And so it was like, why, why do you want to go and work on a shop floor? Why do you want to go and be a sales assistant? You've, you can, you've only got one more year of school. And then, you, you know, you have these other opportunities, these professions. Um, so I think it was a bit of the thinking at the time. Um, I'm not a fan of the piece of paper. Again, depends on what you want to do in life. Um, you know, I have three children that are all completely, completely different. One's doing a double degree. Um, the others at NIDA um, really didn't like school at all, started university and hated every minute of it. He wants to be an actor. He got accepted into NIDA. So that's his path. So I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think it's whatever path you choose. Um, and, you know, you said, I said, if you love what you do and are really passionate about it, you're going to be successful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that, that is so true. But I think one thing that you mentioned, and I know I've obviously followed you for a while, um, hard work. Now, um, I credit my hard work and dedication to my parents. I saw how much they struggled, like you just said, and um, I molded myself and I, I they taught me. Did did you have similar things? So I think you, from what I've read and heard, your father was just a grinder, like work, work, work. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'll tell you a bit about my parents because I think it sets the, the tone for, I, I always say that I credit myself, the woman I am today and the leader I am today and my parents have had a huge influence on, on me. So my dad uh, arrived in Australia when he was four years of age with his uh, parents um, and his brother from Italy. They came with a couple of suitcases, very little money and the clothes they wore. And he left school at 14 um, and went to work to help support the family. And he worked really hard. And he wasn't that great at school anyway, so uh, it was a good excuse to leave. <laughs> but he was fabulous. He was fabulous with his hands and he could build and make anything, and he still can today. But he worked and worked and worked. He worked by day as a concreter and builder, and he worked at the abattoirs by night. So he literally was the workhorse. And then my mum was one of 12 children. She had an alcoholic father. Her mother died when she was 20. Um, and so she had younger siblings. Not only did she have younger siblings to look after, she had my brother who was two and myself who was one. Uh, so she was this real carer and nurturer and someone who just, I call her the Mother Teresa. She was just <laughs> the most amazing, beautiful woman who just cared for people. And so I, I, I really feel very blessed and fortunate that I got both, I think, of the, the traits of both of my parents. My dad, who's this real hard working man, and as I said, still is, and then my mum, who's this beautiful nurturer. And someone asked me the other day, they said, Collie, are you still the same person? I was telling a story about, I used to go to work with my father every chance I could, and I'd go to work sites with him. And 
I, I can picture it now as this little tiny blonde thing with curly hair and I had these, you know, brown cords on and brown knitted jumper and everything seemed to be brown in the 70s. But um, our house was brown, our wallpaper was brown, um, the carpet was brown, I was brown. Um, so, I, But I, someone said, are you still that same person? And I, I say to them, I'm exactly that little eight-year-old that was standing on that work site with my father because I was hungry, I wanted to work, I wanted to work hard, I wanted to make him proud. Um, and yes, we evolve as people and we add to ourselves and we, we grow, but there's this, I, I believe there's this DNA of who you are. And so I often look back and think, I'm still that little eight-year-old on the work site. I've just grown and evolved. Mm, I, I absolutely love that. And I think, so when you look back at your career, and I, we're going to talk about everything you're doing now, but from a you know, area manager, regional manager, you said it just changed at 20 years old. What what were the, the characteristics that set you above everybody else? Because I guarantee you would have had a lot of people that were a lot older than you and you would have been their boss. How did you continue to work your way up the ranks and obviously have such a successful career? What were the key ingredients that really set you apart, Colleen? Yeah, I think... Um, look, I think back then, I mean, that work hard, that work ethic was always important, um, important to me. And um, I was, I was quite a shy child, you know, I was, I was quite introverted. And I wasn't one of those kids that was going to scream the loudest to get heard. So I knew for me that if I wanted to get noticed, and I was ambitious, and I wanted to grow, and I wanted to learn. And if I wanted to get noticed, the only way I was going to get noticed was through my results. So I worked hard and I took every challenge and I wanted to win every competition and, <laughs> you know, and I wanted my store to be the best store and then I wanted my area to be the best area. And I think I realised very early on that the way I did that was through people. Um, because when you're in a one, I started off in a tiny little store on my own in Carayo, which was, you know, the, the shittiest store probably in the portfolio, <laughs> but it was mine and I loved it, you know. Geelong represent, uh, I like it. Geelong, you know, <laughs> it was the shittiest store ever, but I loved it and, and it was mine. But what I realised is as I kept growing, I had the opportunity to influence more people and to, to lead. And so that was kind of my motivation um, was really to... Um, to to work hard and and prove myself by results and build these fabulous teams around me that could come along for that exciting journey. Mm, absolutely love that, and I believe relationships are the key to life. It doesn't matter what you're doing. And I remember my last teaching job. I said life isn't about what you know; it's who you know and how you can help them and they will help you. So obviously that was a huge factor in everything you did, but what were some of the other key ingredients that made Sports Girl and still is today such a powerful brand that, that you really sort of pushed and really created yourself? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think if we talk about the brand, Sports Girl as that iconic brand, um, you know, and, and it is an iconic brand, but I always say brands will only remain iconic and relevant if they stay relevant. And so I think the big, the big challenge um, and the focus over the last you know, seven years that I was CEO was how do you continue to evolve? How do you continue to make your brand relevant? Um, you know, anyone out there can sell a white T-shirt. Anyone can sell a pair of jeans. You know, you might have your favourites, but anyone can sell the same stuff. And I believe it's not good enough just to sell stuff today. You have to connect with your customer on a much deeper level than just selling them something. You really need to mean something in their lives. And so I would always talk about Sports Girl as a way of life. 
Um, we didn't just serve customers, we were part of their life. And I think that was a big part of the success of, of the brand and keeping it relevant and evolving and, and staying connected with the customer. I think the other big one, Dale, is culture. Um, and for me, that has been, you know, I get people say to me, so Cole, you know, they think in 15 minutes, I can give them a magic 15 minute <laughs> chat about how they can create a great culture in their organisation. I was organization. hoping you could do that today. I was hoping you could you do know, that I'll today. Try. I'll try. I'll try. But, you know, it's not, it's not a magic, it's just not this magic recipe. It is something that I have dedicated to getting up and doing and committed to every day of my sports girl working life. Um, and for me... Culture is about when people want to follow you. You know, culture is about when people get up every day and love what they do. It's about um, it's about working for the bigger picture. It's about people giving you their blood, sweat and tears because they know you're there to support and look after them. You know, I always talk about this, this um, circle of safety for people. And I think, you know, there's too many people today. And I think the stats are about 14% of people are engaged with their their work, which is just the most crazy number ever. Horrible. We've been talking about that for 20 years, but nothing's changed, right? So I think it's it's really, really the culture of your organisation is so important. And that starts at the top. It starts with the leader. So I take that responsibility really, um, really seriously in terms of creating a culture that people want to get up to uh, and come to every single day and feel supported and feel connected and feel feel engaged. That doesn't mean that it's a free-for-all. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you can be an underperformer. That doesn't mean that there are no boundaries. That doesn't mean that you can fly under the radar. That doesn't mean any of those things. It means you have to be a great performer. You have to be the best that you can be. But you, people want to feel safe and connected and protected. Mm, so the true. culture so, is so important. Yeah, well, it is. And I know there are so many organizations that are probably having to shift and change now because one thing we do lack at the moment is human connection. Where obviously you're in Melbourne, I'm in Melbourne too. We are housebound. We're arrested at the moment. We've got an ankle on our brace. So the one thing building a positive culture is that connection, that relationship, you know, socializing. How hard do you think that is now in workplaces and just as society when we don't have that? Yes. Yeah, it is very challenging. And I think, um, Dale, there's some people that have really loved this time and really embraced this new way of communication. And there, there are other people that have really, really struggled with it. And I know both of those people, you know, a lot of those different people. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, this whole COVID situation, um, I think we can, we can go high and say it is what it is and we have to deal with it in the best way we can or we can all sit here and have a pity party and say this is really tough and how bad's life and I think the great brands the great leaders the great educators the great people are going to say how do I make the most out of this challenging time and what can I do I was saying to you before the podcast I've been so busy since um <laughs> since lockdown I've been busier than I've ever been because I've chosen to do that I've chosen to say well what can I do with my time how can I you know I say one of the things for the last 20 years I've you know we all say is we don't have enough time everyone says oh I haven't got enough time to do that and I've, I haven't got enough time to get fit and I haven't got enough time to make connection with people well now there's no excuse We've mm. all got that time. So I, I think that there is a different way of looking at it. And I think the people that want to embrace this new way um, are going to find it re rewarding and, and make it work. 
Mm, I, I couldn't agree more. And I always hear that as well, that people, I don't have time to eat right, I don't have time to exercise, I don't have time to do this. And I call them gunners. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, yeah. and I actually do nothing. And yeah. that is a, just a blatant excuse. And that's just poor yeah. time management. And so that's another thing I want to ask you. You have got a family, you've got a lovely husband, three kids, you've got a career, you have a life. How did you, because I don't believe in work-life balance, because I think that's absolute crap. There's, It's about finding something you love and making it all fit into a day. How did you do that and do it so well? Yeah, I love it that you don't like work-life balance because oh, I crap. hate that, oh, I so hate that term as well. Oh. I think, um, you know, I, I think why do we say what we put work in one box and we put life in another box? That's just ridiculous. So I always talk about life in balance. And for me, I've not always had life in balance and I had burnout in 2007, but um, my today and, and probably, you know, the last 10 years, I've really worked on my life in balance. And for me, I have an 80-20 rule and it's whatever works for you. Some people have a 90-10 rule. Some people have a 70-30 rule. Mine's an 80-20. So 80% of my life has to be in balance. And the other 20 can be a bit chaotic because I like that as well. And I think a bit of chaos sometimes creates some new energy and new thinking. And so I don't mind that 20% um, because it, it, life's not perfect. We're never going to get 100% of anything. So I know the triggers when my life is not that 80-20 because that's what works for me. I know that I have to change something. I have to delete something. I have to slow down. I have to whatever that might be but my life has to sit in that 80-20 balance. And so I've, I've really worked hard at that. Life, you know, life in balance isn't easy. We have so many things thrown at us the whole time. Um, so, and the other thing I would say is I, through that time, you know, my, my babies were so little, I've worked my entire, in my entire life. I've, I had probably four or five months off with each of my babies when I had them. Jake's now 23, who's my eldest. Um, so I think the real key for me was surrounding myself with people who um, were my supporters and people who wanted to see me succeed. And they're the people that love and support you because there's plenty of people that don't want to see you succeed in life as well. Um, but so I made sure that I surrounded myself with those people, which were my family, which was my husband, which was my friends, um, and, and really made sure that I put boundaries around what I did. And I'm a very all or nothing kind of person in the way I do that. And so my work life is my work life. And when I'm at work, I'm there and I'm totally focused. I don't take any calls that are unnecessary um, unless there's an absolute urgent when I was in, in the office, unless it was an absolute urgent call from my kids, I wouldn't speak to anyone outside of being focused on my work. Um, and then when I get home, my focus is my family. So I think really making sure we set those boundaries around what we do. But my burnout in 2007 was the best lesson of self-preservation ever. It was the best thing that ever happened because it made me live my life differently. Mm. It's, I know I speak to a lot of people and, and our mutual friend, Shanna, she had burnout as well. I've gone through it a couple of times and um, I actually am grateful for COVID because I think I was keeping on going and without it, I would have kept burning out because I needed something to slow down. So like you just said, it is about surrounding yourself with positive Pete's and positive Paulers, getting rid of negative Nigel and Nancy because they will be lemon suckers. They will bring you down, Colleen. You do not need them. And we all know who they are. Um, yeah. The one thing I, I really found fascinating at the start is you were not always, you know, this big bubbly person, you're a bit of an introvert. How did you change that? Because um, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, have got all this potential, but they're probably a little bit shy or they don't want to put themselves on the platform. How did you realize that 
something needed to change and then how did you do that? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I, I suppose as we, you know, I, I did this exercise where I wrote down my years in, in decades. So my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and I'm 50 next year. So my, my thing is, what do I want my 50s to look like? And as I wrote those down, they, they just kept adding and they're revolving and um, new layers were going on to each decade. And I think for me, it was about over time building building that confidence. I think confidence is absolutely key. And I think as you, um, as we, we get older and, and we grow, um, we start to um, be less conscious about what other people think about us. Um, and I'm sure you're the same. I actually don't really care. Um, you know, I am who I am. I say what I say. I'm authentic in the way I live my life. Um, and so I, I think what I did was just work on that confidence and, um, I was also, I, I, I talk about being a leader by design. And so I looked and learned and listened and I took all of these things from people that I thought were great leaders and then I left the things behind of leaders that I really never, ever wanted to be like. And so I made a really conscious effort to become the leader that I wanted to be. Um, so I think it's just this constant evolution of yourself and being self-aware of who you are. Mm, and and I can buy things as well. You've always challenged yourself as well. Like you haven't just sat in the fence and been happy or content. You know, you're always pushing yourself. And I think, like you said, those layers come when we step outside that crazy 20% area that you said, we overcome that. That builds the confidence and then we come out of it. Because I think that's a really interesting question, you know, the extrovert, the introvert. Um, and I, I did find that interesting. Now, I want to talk about everything you're doing now, Colleen. But looking back on your amazing career, 30 years, what is the most, what are you most proud about then? Do you take time, I suppose, to reflect on what you've been able to achieve? Yeah, I, I do. And um, again, I think when I reflect, it's when I take time out of what my busy world is. So I'm very conscious of taking time out with my family, having holidays, um, you know, doing those sorts of things. Because I think they're the best times when you can actually sit back and reflect on, um, on what you're doing. You're not on this crazy crazy mouse wheel. So I think reflecting back, there's two things that I'm super proud of. One is that I have, as I said, become a leader by design. I've, I've molded myself into the leader I want to be, but I'm also a leader that people want to follow. And I think there's a lot of leaders out there that um, are leaders, but they're not leaders that people want to follow. They're leaders that tell people what to do. They're leaders that have authority. They're leaders. So people do things because they're in a leadership position. I believe I'm a leader that people want to follow and um, it's because I inspire and empower them to be the best versions of themselves. So I, I'm, I'm very proud of that. The other thing I'm proud of is that, um, and I was talking about this last week, is that I'm one of 15%. And that number really makes me super proud. One of 15% of women that hold CEO roles or held a CEO role wow, in this is country. That, is that it? Sorry to interrupt. That that's is, it. that's crazy. Yeah. And that's a crazy number, right? So that makes me really proud to think that I've, I'm one of those 15%, but on the flip side of that, it actually really concerns me and really saddens me that we don't have more women coming up through leadership roles, um, coming into general manager roles, coming into CEO roles. So for me, that's something I'm really focused on and really passionate about. And I want to be a fabulous role model for women and I want to, to, to help create other role models so that we can empower and inspire women to have a voice and to step up and to want to be heard. So 
for me, um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, that one. I'm really happy about that, but I really want more women in this country to be able to step up into leadership roles. Mm, and two great things to be proud of, but that stat, that's alarming. That is a shocking stat that needs to change. And mm. I suppose that sort of leads on to what you're doing now because we are talking about before that you are going to have a break, you are going to have some time off, and you've absolutely just spun that around. you put the treadmill on 20 and you're going for yeah. it. So let's talk about mentoring and everything that you've got in the pipeline because I think it's really exciting and such a great opportunity for women out there to learn from one of the best. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I did. I thought I'd have a few months off, as I said, and um, after finishing my role pre-COVID, which was perfect timing, um, and do a bit of travel and have some family time. And I started writing a book pre-Christmas, um, which is all about women in leadership and the power of women, the power of role models, the power of culture, power of environment, power of self. Um, so that's kind of bubbling away in the background. And um, I thought that would be quite easy. I don't know why, because I've never written a book before. So I don't know why I thought it'd be easy because it's not. It actually takes a lot of time, but that's kind of bubbling, bubbling away in the background. And, um, and then I, uh, I started just really based around this whole COVID thing. Obviously, I will get back into a CEO role at some point when the right thing comes, comes along. That's ultimate, what, ultimately what I love doing. Um, but while I'm not, I'm going to use my time as wisely and to impact as many women as I possibly can. So the mentor program is really, the essence of it is making mentoring affordable and accessible for women because it's not everyone can afford, um, you know, the high end sort of um, coaches, etc. Although if you can, it's fabulous because I, as we both talked about, Shanna has been my coach for um, a long time, 10 years, and she's the most incredible human being and has been just an incre- had an incredible impact on my life. But younger, younger women um, potentially can't afford someone of that caliber. Um, so for me, it's about making um, mentoring accessible for young women. And um, so I, I started that this week and, uh, and I'm trying to just keep uh, groups to six each session. So I do a one-on-one with them, which I did with some of them yesterday, an hour. And they tell me their story and we talk about strategies and we talk about what paths they need to maybe go down, what they need to delete from their lives, their work-life balance. Uh, we talk about all sorts of things. And what I love, Dale, is everyone's different because every person's story is different. So um, that's what I, I, I just get such a buzz out of and get so excited about. But for me, you know, the next period of time, whatever we're in lockdown, I'll continue to do uh, these mentoring, mentoring me sessions in the hope that I can inspire support um, and encourage people um, along this journey and make this journey that little bit easier for them where some people are struggling you know one of the the ladies i mentored yesterday she's just divine she has her own travel business so her whole world has just imploded yeah so we had the most fabulous hour together and you know there's a way forward there absolutely is a way forward. You just need to reinvent. You need to reinvigorate. You need to reimagine. Uh, you, you need to be resourceful. So there is a way forward. We just need to think about it differently. Mm. It's so true. And what better time, I feel, to invest in yourself? If you're able to do that, I, I've always had mentors and coaches. And um, if you're not developing through somebody else that's done that or they're not challenging you, you're really sitting in the one spot. So um, have you found that people have been more receptive? Because as we said, they've got more time, but then also they're like, right, this is a chance for me to explode and do something powerful. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think that investing in, in yourself is absolutely key right now. And that's absolutely what I found. Um, one of the girls I was mentoring yesterday said, I've always wanted to do something like this and I've just never had the time. Um, and or, or, or probably, um, you know, you need to want to. And I said to her, you know, you're going to work hard over the next six weeks while I'm mentoring you. Don't think this is going to be a walk in the park because it's not. I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone. I'm going to challenge you. So I think for some people you have to be ready to do that as well. Um, but I think time is just fabulous. Like let's invest in ourselves while we've got the time. So if people want to get on board, obviously you said you're doing six-week blocks. So by the time this episode goes out, I mean, a couple of weeks, you can probably register and get ready for the next round. So where would be the best place to sign up or learn more about that, Colleen? Yeah, sure. So there's an Instagram page called MentorMe underscore women that you can go to um, and all the information's there or my own Instagram, which is Colleen underscore calendar. Um, so I'll put that on when, when this goes live as well. So, um, but yeah, we'll, I'll probably start running a second program in a couple of weeks because I've got people waiting, waiting to join. So that's always a nice thing. I'm sure you do. I'm really sure you do. Yeah. Now, before we finish up, I always like to finish off with a couple of questions. One is, if you could look back over the last 49 years and everything you've learnt, and you could go back to 18-year-old Colleen who was just dominating at Just Jeans and give you one bit of advice, what would that one bit of advice be? Believe in yourself. Absolutely believe in yourself. Um, and I talk to people about that as well, because sometimes even when I'm mentoring or even in my work life, um, when people know that you and believe in others, so um, give, give people the confidence. But when people believe in themselves, they can do amazing things, amazing things. And sometimes you just need that one person to say, you know, Dale, I believe in you. I know you've got this. You can do this. And that's all they need to be able to go to that next step or ask for that promotion or go and ask for their pay rise or, or you know, put their hand up for a new project. So believe in yourself and, and believe in others around you. Mm, oh, it's so true, so true. And, and if people are listening, that you probably know somebody that you, it, it's so easy to send a text and to say, I'm proud of you, or I believe in you, or keep going, you're doing a good job. Because at the moment, that's what people need, don't they? Like, it is very lonely. And I think loneliness is an all time high. So how simple is sending something like that, Colleen? Absolutely. It, it, it can make the world of difference to people. It can make someone have a great day or it can make someone have a really shitty down day. So <laughs> I think, remember, you know, remember that. Yeah, I think we all need to remember that. I love that. And now this is one thing I've been told never to do to somebody writing a book, but when can we expect the book? <laughs> I am hoping it'll be early next year. I'd really love in, in my ideal, ideal world, um, I would love for it to come out next year for um, International Women's Week um, ah. because it is all around empowering women. So that would be my ideal. We'll see what the rest of this year brings and how much busier I get. Well, I absolutely love it. So, Colleen, thank you so much for everything today. I, guys listening, episode 202, I'll have links for Colleen's handle on Instagram and then her new mentoring program. Go and check it out. Use COVID to invest in yourself. And, Colleen, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed the chat and um, so exciting for what's uh, in the future for you. Oh, thank you so much. It was wonderful to chat and keep doing an awesome job on your podcast. I've been listening to them. They're fabulous. Uh, thank you very much, Colleen. Have a great day, everyone.